Hey, thanks for joining us at Praise Chapel. We hope you enjoy this message from our midweek service with David Diga Hernandez. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Now, I didn't give this particular text to the sound people, so don't freak out. I'm probably not going to preach the message I gave you the verses for. Um, Go to Philippians chapter 4. I sense in this room that what God wants to impart to his people this evening is the peace of God. The peace of God. Now, if I'm being honest with you, I can't stand up here and say I always walk in the peace of God. There's a story I heard about this, uh, and you can keep playing, Mr. Monk. Um, there's a story I hear about this man who, who was in a plane crash. And this preacher tells me the story, and it was his plane going down. And everyone on the plane is, is you know, freaking out. They're just terrified. But there's this one old preacher who's sitting there taking a nap. They're thinking, uh, we can't find, I think they were lost. They couldn't find, they were running out of fuel, so the plane was going to go down soon. And they needed to find where they were going to land. So they wake him up. They're like, hey, hey, wake up. You have to, you have to wake up and pray because we, we we're having trouble. We're, we're lost. We, we might have to do a crash landing. They were just terrified. And the old preacher says just a very simple phrase. Pastor Dave, you'll love this. He said, Jesus slept through the storm. I'm going to sleep through this. And he went back to sleep. You know, if Jesus trusted the Father, I think we can too. If Jesus relied on the will of the Father and walked in that sort of peace, I think we should too. Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to show you one of the keys to peace of mind. Now, this is not going to sound very spiritual, okay? The the, the key I'm going to give you here is it almost sounds carnal. It almost sounds selfish, and especially if you grew up with a poverty mindset, this won't, this won't go, go well with you. Now, what do I mean by poverty mindset? I'm talking about a mentality that has difficulty receiving the blessing of God. I'm talking about a mentality that has difficulty understanding that God really does want to prosper you. Prosperity seems like a dirty word nowadays, doesn't it? Lift your hand and say, Lord prosper me. Now turn to somebody next to you and say, God wants to prosper you. What do I mean by that? Well, biblical prosperity, biblical prosperity is very simple. It's when your needs are met and you have enough left over to help others. That's biblical prosperity. But let me show you something here in Philippians chapter 4. And I think many people have difficulty with accepting this. And the reason people have difficulty accepting this is because they've, they've been trained in a different mindset. But go to Philippians chapter 4. Let's start at verse number 4. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. This is what the Bible says. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Now, that's difficult enough. Look up at me. Already, we're, we're not even dealing with the whole verse. That's difficult. That's a command, by the way. Always be full of the joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. 
Remember, the Lord is coming soon. How often we forget about the second coming of the Lord. You know He is coming. Especially you look around at, at the world as it is today. I'll tell you this, looking at the world in the state that it is in, in now, I'm convinced that we're living in the last days. Continuing now, verse number 6. Now, this is an interesting verse. Because we've often heard it said, God will give you peace that passes all understanding. And we think that this is something, you know, maybe after you fast, you get that peace that passes all understanding. Or maybe you, maybe after you read the Bible for several hours, you have the peace that passes all understanding. Or maybe after you sing a couple worship songs, then you have the peace of God that passes all understanding. No, look what the Bible says. In verse 6, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Do you realize that worry is the flesh's counterfeit for prayer? Many of us already know how to pray. We're just praying in the flesh. We're focusing our minds on the things of the flesh. We're, 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 we're putting our attention on the things of the flesh. When you're worrying, you are actually participating in the flesh's counterfeit for prayer. Now, the Bible says this, tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. This seems to be a contradiction. Because people often say, well, if you're really thankful for what God has given you, you won't ask for anything else. But here the Bible says, tell God what you need while thanking Him. So it's possible to request more while being thankful for what God has already given to you. Did you hear what I said? It's possible to be thankful while also requesting more from the Lord. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Look what it says. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now this is very interesting to me. Because the Bible here is telling me that the prayer request is the key to peace. Are you hearing me this evening? The Bible says the prayer request is the key to peace. Now, I've often heard it said, oh, don't ask God for that. You, you, you have to be grateful. And I think you and I were talking about this the other day. They, they, people have this mindset that, that, that God doesn't want to bless you. They say, how could you ask for a new job when there's kids starving in the other side of the world? And that seems like a good question to you. Think about it. That question, how could you ask God for things while there are people who have less than you? That question assumes that God is running short on supply. God does not have to curse someone else to bless you. God does not have to take from somewhere else in the world to give you what you need. So me asking for a new job, me asking for God to bless me is not in contradiction to the word. It's in contradiction to the poverty mindset. People ask all the time about preachers. How, how could he fly a private jet while people are starving all around the world? How could you drive a private car and not take the bus while people are starving all around the world? <laughs> poverty mindset. It's all relative to where you are in life. You recognize that it's not really a shortage that does it. It's mindset that keeps people bound. So I'm talking to you about how to walk in that peace. I'm telling you, you give your requests to God. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 tells us, ask, seek, knock, does it not? Why would he tell us to ask if he didn't want us to ask? 
some of you have been taught a lesser version of yourself than you actually are. How many times have you heard it said, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you are not. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. I don't know what you think you're looking at. You're not looking at a sinner right now. You're looking at a saint. You say, but don't you make mistakes? Absolutely. But if his sacrifice was good enough to cleanse me from things of the past, his sacrifice is good enough to cover things in the future. When God looks at me, he doesn't see my flaws. He sees the accomplishments of Christ. Now, I'm, I'm going to teach you something about the peace of mind that you can have. And it's really going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to turn some things upside down on its head, okay? Can I just challenge you this evening to start to think a little differently? Okay, so, so I, 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 was, I was starting with the prayer request. I got a little resistance, so we got to go a little bit to the more to the foundation, okay? Let's go further into the foundation. Go to, and these are the verses I gave you, because this is actually going to have to tie in. Go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to read some verses to you about your identity, okay? The Bible says, And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. I'll show you something else. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest. You are royal priests, the holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You are no longer that sinner wandering around in the muck and the mire of sin. You, when you've come to believe in what Christ has accomplished, when you've come to receive the salvation that he's given to you, you are a royal priest. Meaning you have royalty in your blood. That's not what I say. That's what the Bible says. I am heavenly. Did you hear what I said? I'll say it again. I am heavenly. I'm not of this earth. You know, people often say, oh, well, you're only human or I'm only human. Wait a minute, what does the Bible say? It says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So if I was a human and now I'm new, what am I? I'm of Christ. I am heavenly. I'm of, of royal descent. When you start to think this way, it becomes easier to make requests to God and the peace of God fills you. When you come to realize that you are a child of God. Now, Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21 say this. Philippians 3, 20 through 21. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. Using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. John chapter 5 verse 19 tells us that we are not of this world. First John chapter 3 verse 1 tells us. First John chapter 3 verse 1 tells us that we are children of God. Are you hearing this tonight, church? Let me show you something very powerful in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 28. 
Galatians 3, 26 through 28 say this. For you are all children of God through what? Faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. Take a look at this. Have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. For you are all one in Christ. Now, I want you to capture something here. When I say that I am in Christ... It's easy for me to accept the forgiveness because I've been told nothing but about his forgiveness ever since I got saved. Oh, I'm in Christ, so God sees perfection. God sees holiness. God sees righteousness. He puts the righteousness of Christ on you because you believe by faith in what he did. But do you realize that when you are in Christ, you are also seated with him in heavenly places? When I am in Christ, I'm not just standing in his holiness. I'm standing in his accomplishments. I'm not just standing in his accomplishments. I'm standing in his authority. I'm not just standing in his authority. I'm standing in his favor. So then, whatever Christ accomplished, God says, you did it. Someone needs to wake up here this evening. Are you hearing me back here in the, in the cave section? Did you hear what I said? I said, everything that Christ accomplished, God says, you did it. This means that not only do I walk in his accomplishments, not only do I walk in his forgiveness, not only do I walk in his righteousness, I walk in that favor. I walk in that authority. You need to start thinking of yourself just a little bit differently. It's time you stop looking in the mirror and saying, oh, I'm so fed up with that person in front of me. It's time you start looking in the mirror and say, thank God that I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Thank God that when God looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. So, so, so you have to realize your past is done. It's, it's gone. It's very arrogant to believe that what you did is so wrong that it's more powerful than the forgiveness of God. That's arrogance. See, some people say, well, that sounds like arrogance, Diga, what you're saying. Uh, we have to keep, we have to know our place. We have to know where we are. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is it arrogant to come up with my own theories about who I am and contradict the word of God? Yes, that is true arrogance. The true arrogance is the one who says, well, you know what? I know what the Bible says about me, but here's how I feel about me. And I'm going to elevate my feelings above the word of God. The word of God declares that I am new. The Word of God declares that I am royal. The Word of God declares that I belong to Him. That I am a child of God. That I am heavenly. That I am seated in heavenly places. I'm standing in the righteousness of Christ. I'm standing in the authority of Christ. So then when you begin to look at it this way, you start to recognize that it's not some sinful thing for you to ask. All you're doing is making a decree as His child. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says this. Ephesians 2, 6, they'll bring it up right now. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Hold that verse up there for a second. You notice it doesn't say we will be seated. We are united with Christ. We are are seated with him that means i am standing in the place of heavenly authority i am standing in the place of favor you know the old phrase about favor they say favor ain't fair and it's true well god is no respecter of persons that's right 
God is no respecter of persons in that anybody can become favored if they just walk in their identity in Christ. It's open to anybody. But make no mistake, God does have his favorites, and his favorite is you. I'm a child of God. Not everyone can say that. I'm, I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. Not everyone can say that. I, 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 I get to stand in the authority of Christ. Do you realize that when you open your mouth, you can command the forces of darkness? Do you realize that when you open your mouth, you have power over sickness? That when you walk into a place, you can recognize that you hold the authority in that room because you are a child of God? Now, now, when you start to think this way, it start, first of all, it contradicts what we've been taught. Kind of stay poor, stay low, stay negative. Humility is not negativity. Don't get the two confused. The Bible doesn't talk about being negative about yourself. It's, it's walking in the reality of who you are because of what Christ accomplished. So then, when I accept this aspect of my own nature, when I accept the fact that I have been accepted... When I accept the fact that I am a royal priesthood, when I accept the fact that I'm standing in his favor, in his accomplishments, in his authority, in his righteousness, when I accept that fact, then and only then and am I able to make those requests without those mental blockages in my mind. You say, well, you know, um, people always have these weird phrases about comparing themselves to others, but the truth is that you've heard that phrase, you know, someone else has it worse I always thought that was ridiculous because comparison in the first place is the problem. Because if you can say that I can't be sad because somebody else has it worse, that's the same as telling me that I can't be happy because somebody else has it better. It just doesn't make any sense. But we're not comparing ourselves to each other, are we? We're standing confidently in what Christ has accomplished. We're standing confidently, boldly, coming before him and saying, Father, here are my needs. Here are my requests. I remember one time I was traveling. I say one time like it was this, this thing I don't do. But it went, one, time, one time I was traveling, and I was so hungry. I, I, I was starving. And if you know anything about travel, especially when you go from plane to plane to plane, it's very difficult to find any good food on the plane. And, um, you know, even, even, the, even the, the business class meals, they're like, I, I said, that business class steak, was, was the best steak I've ever had on the plane, worst steak I've ever had in my life. But, but the truth is, you know, it's difficult to find food when you're traveling. And it's either, you know, you got to eat just a little snack or you got to go to, you know, they got McDonald's that's like $30 for a Big Mac. The airport prices are way overboard. I'm like, are they aware of what everyone else in the world is charging? I don't think so. Um, so I'm walking around and I'm looking. And you ever been in one of those moods where you're hungry? but you're not hungry, like your body fills it, but everything feels gross to you. Like I was starving, but I didn't want pizza. I was starving, but I didn't want a burger. I was starving, but I didn't. And I just had this random thought in my head. I said, I just want, all I want, all I want is one of those Nature Valley granola bars. That's what I said to myself. I, said, I just want one of those Nature Valley. I don't know why those things get crumbs everywhere. They're, they're annoying. But that's what I was craving in the moment. That's what I was able to eat. And I went looking. I couldn't find it. I was, my, next, my next plane was boarding. I'm like, oh, forget it. I'll just eat whatever garbage they have on the plane. So I'm getting on the plane. I sit down. The plane takes off. And we're, we're just about coming to our cruising altitude where everybody can move around, get their bags and stuff. And I kid you not, God is my witness. May God strike me down if I'm lying. That, you know it's not an evangelize that way. I'm, the, the plane starts to, 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 to reach its cruising altitude, and this man, not right next to me, but 
one row over, like one, one, one seat over. There was a man between us, and then the man was sitting all the way to the window. He pulls out of his bag, I kid you not, a Nature Valley granola bar. First thing he does is leans over and goes, to me. And I took it. I said, thank you, sir. And I was just in shock, and I thought of that verse. He delights in every detail of our lives. Now, check this out. It doesn't end there. It gets even better. So I come home, and then I told my wife, Jess, this story. Jess, why are you in Backsliders Road here? I apologize to all the people in Backsliders Row for calling it Backsliders Row. Remember this story, Jess? I told you the story, and then, because I come home and I tell her that, she says, she said, oh, man, I would love something like that. I would love something like that for me. And this is when we were getting ready to decorate our house for Christmas. Remember this, dear? And, and she, my wife, what are those called, the, 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 the things that, yeah, what's that called? Yeah, the essential oils, those ones. She, she has a, she makes the house smell really nice. It sets a good atmosphere. And so we're getting ready for Christmas, and she says, so she hears my story. She says, oh, man, I would love for something like that to happen for me. And then she tells me, if you can, find me like a Christmas-scented essential oil. So that's what I need. I'm like, okay, that's a very specific thing. I'll see if I can find it. So I went on another trip, and we were in Northern California. Actually, we were in Bakersfield. We were in Bakersfield, and um, I, I'm standing there. I tell the granola bar story at that church. And I'm standing in the back afterwards, uh, signing books and whatnot. And this lady comes up to me. She goes, I just want to say I was really blessed by that story about how God delights in every detail of our lives. She says, but I feel like I'm supposed to give something to your wife. Yes. She pulls out of her pocket a Christmas-scented essential oil and says, God told me to give this. I said, she said, I know it's so weird, but here it is. I FaceTime Jess like, I'm like, Jess, Jess, I didn't even get her name. I go, this lady right here just gave us this. What were you just saying? Now, I recognize that, that, that not all of our problems always go away. I recognize that things don't always go as we plan. I recognize that sometimes prayers go seemingly unanswered. And there are times when we face tragedy. I'm not trying to be unrealistic about this. Because there are persecutions. There are sorrows. All those things in this world. But when you recognize that you belong to him, you walk in peace knowing he delights in every detail of your life. Every detail of your life. And when, 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 you, when you have that knowledge of I'm seated with Christ, I'm a child of God, I'm not a sinner saved by grace, I can't identify with that anymore. That's not who I am. Your past is done. Did you hear what I said? Some of you have been waiting for that word specifically, and you want someone to come up to you and tell you specifically what you did is done, but we got to stop being so obsessive about that. Do you realize your past is gone? Now, what does this mean? Okay, so I, so I can walk in this peace. I can have my needs met. What does that mean then for me? What are my responsibilities of walking in, in this, this new nature? Well, first of all, just because you're heavenly doesn't mean you act like a snob. So, so I'll give you an example. A, a, good, a good test of whether or not you're, you're truly walking in your new nature is how you act when the line at Starbucks is longer than you need it to be. So there's this thing called diplomatic immunity when one person from another nation will go to a different nation and, and basically this person goes and they have the right to make trade deals. They have the right to sign peace treaties. They have the right to negotiate various aspects of the relationships between the countries. And so an ambassador will come in 
and represent the place from which they came. You are a heavenly ambassador here on earth. It's a heavy responsibility. That means what you do, people will associate with heaven. Some of you are acting so negative. Some of you are acting so weird. Some of you are acting so mean, so defeated. Like they, they, they hear you talk and they, oh my gosh, well, heaven must be a conquered kingdom because this person is an ambassador from there and they're acting like a, a poverty mindset person. Don't be weird, please. Look, look, no, I'm serious, please. Like, don't. Because, because it doesn't make you look spiritual. I'm just be real with you. Don't confuse spiritual and weird. They're two different things. In fact, the more spiritual you become, the more relatable you become. Not only that, we, we can't be mean-spirited, arrogant, pushing our weight around. I'm not talking about arrogant as in like a personality type. People always say, Deacon, you're so arrogant, you're so arrogant, you're so arrogant. Because they don't understand personality types. And I always tell them, well, confidence looks like arrogance to the insecure, right? High five. I'm not talking about that. Arrogance is, don't, arrogance is not a personality type. It's not a way of talking. It's not a way you carry. I have friends who are like that, and I would never accuse them of that. If some people are, they intimidate us, yes, but that doesn't mean we should label them. But I'm talking about, I'm not talking about this lowly, oh, I'm humble, and I'm a worm, and I just belong in the, I belong in the dirt. That's not humility. That's like issues right there. You get that taken care of. When I talk about confidence, I'm talking about a bold and unwavering knowledge of who you are. I know who I am. Did you hear what I said? I said, I know who I am. You want to know why I can, when, when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, I can pull people's neck braces off and move their neck around? That's scary. Because I know the voice. Don't you dare do it. You better be sure you know the voice of God. You know, I can take steps and just kind of go, okay, well, I don't know if we could afford that building, but we're going to take it over. And we move, make that move because I'm confident in him. You're going to have a little bit of a, an air about you when you start to capture this revelation. But don't let that air about you become actual arrogance. There's a fine line between boldness and rudeness. People mistake the two. There's boldness and then there's rudeness. Rudeness is mean and nasty. What kind of an ambassador are you? How are you representing your father? How are you representing the kingdom? I remember this story about uh, Billy Graham. And I'll, I'll, I'll close up eventually. Um, <laughs> is this blessing you this evening? I really am just kind of sharing from my heart. I remember this story about Billy Graham. And we all know who Billy Graham is if you don't. You need to look him up. It, probably the most, and I'm not. This is not hyperbole. This is an actual thing. Uh, he's probably the most influential pastor, minister, evangelist in the history of America. Period. Like period. I I, I can't even think of anyone who comes remotely close to to the, the impact that Billy Graham had. And I don't think there's going to be another Billy Graham for a long time, like a hundred years or so. Like it's it's seriously. It was like. It was time and chance and divine appointment, and it, it, the way it all worked out was just, you got to go look at his life if you want to be inspired. But he, um, <laughs> he, 
he had this green room that was prepared for him before he went to go preach. Now, for those of you who don't know, a green room is not an actual green room. A green room is just a back room behind the stage that, that performers or preachers or speakers use before going onto the stage. And it literally just is like a couch and a table, some snacks, a TV, maybe to see what's going on in the service. So Billy Graham had a green room that was prepared for him. And I don't know how uh, this preacher told this story. I don't know how he ended up in the green room himself, but he was just exhausted. This other preacher, not Billy Graham, was just exhausted, tired, like he was done. And so he says, I'm just going to go and I'm going to rest in that green room just, just for a few minutes. And I'll be out of there before Billy Graham gets here. Now, you go into somebody's green room, that's like, I don't know, it's, kind of, it's like a private thing. You don't want to do that to someone. It's considered very rude. It's very inconsiderate because it was prepared for them. So he's in there. He's taking a nap. And I guess he overslept or something because in walks Billy Graham. And he got up. He was freaked out. He's like, oh, my gosh, Pastor Graham, I'm so sorry. I did it. But he says that Billy Graham, instead of kicking him out, saying, what are you doing? Come on, I need a rest. This is where I prepare. He says he, he got the guy's legs and put him up back on the couch, told him to lie down. And then he began to serve him food and, and drinks. And then he began to minister to him and spend time with him. And I thought, man, I wouldn't give up my green room for anybody. <laughs> I'm just being real with you. I wouldn't. I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> but it challenged me. I would have thought, oh, my God, is that guy have a gun or something? Like, I, I would have been scared. Who is this guy? I would have told Patrick, get in there and find out what's going on in there before I go in there. <laughs> I'm just being very real with you guys. But, but, but I was challenged to become a better ambassador. So what, what my main point tonight, recognizing your identity will have you walk in that peace. Because when you recognize your identity, you can do two things. You can make a prayer request without those mental barriers. And you can represent Christ properly. That's peace right there, guys. When you walk into a situation, do you rattle it up? Let me tell you something. If you're, if you're drama, you're not spiritual. If drama follows you everywhere you go, you're not spiritual. You're carnal. And we need to be believers who, who, who settle drama, who settle people's fears. If, if you cause p- fear and panic when you walk into a situation, you're not being spiritual. You're being anxious. If you, if you walk into an argument and you cause the argument to heighten, where's Eddie Vargas at? Where's, my, where's Eddie? Please tell me he's here. Is he in the back or is he next door working? Okay, bring him in here for a second. No, I'm kidding. Leave him alone. Eddie, little Eddie Vargas, is uh, he's training me now. He's a great trainer, by the way. And he has this thing he tells me. He says, if it doesn't hurt, it doesn't work. I can't stand I told him, Eddie, I love you and I hate you at the same time. He's always having me do that. He'll come over to, to my house. We'll, we'll work, go in my gym, I think, Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays. He's there Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And he does this thing where he says, you got you to get to the point where you feel like you can't do anymore, and then you got to do some more. And the, the, the more pain that you feel, the better that is. And he, he says, like, you got to feel the burn. And I thought, what a great illustration for dealing with the flesh. Because how many know when, 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 when someone steps up to you and, and, and you start, like, an arguing, there's an argument going on, you, you want your flesh right. You want to get the word that will dominate them. You want to get the word that will silence them. 
Some of you husbands, you can't, you're trying to make your wife cry. She's trying to keep herself from crying. And, there's, and it escalates that way. And, and, and we get these weird things about us where we're like, you know, our old mentalities come up and we say things like, well, well, well do, do they know who I am? My question is, do you know who you are? And you have to learn to, in those moments where you want to say something, in those moments where your patience is being just tested, in those moments where you want to get into the drama and the gossip, in those moments where you want to quit, in those moments where you want to give into the flesh, whether that be fear, whether that be anger, whether that be pride, whatever that is in the flesh, if you want to learn to overcome the flesh, you're going to have to learn to fill the burn. And some of you feel real good. They say a comment, you're like, mm-hmm, God bless you. Ambassadors, know who you are. Walk confidently in that. Make your decrees, declare things, and you will walk in the peace of God. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.